why fans have that yeah. major theory after Taylor Swift's la- latest cryptic but cute post. Cryptic so but important. cute. That is a good description of Taylor Swift. Cryptic cute. Cryptic cute. <laughs> <clears throat> Tired. Crypto fascist. Wired. Crypto cute. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Think Outside the Box set. I've decided to debut a new character who's just kind of like laid back and just kind of like a slacker dude. He's just kind of he like... He got caught in quicksand. He got caught in quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm also doing a visual bit at the same time, which is going to come through great on the uh, on the show. Um, so uh, that's, that's sort of the energy I'm bringing today. <laughs> uh, oh, this oh, is... <laughs> Did Nathan pre-record this episode, Cameron? <laughs> do you think? Do you think we're actually talking to Nathan, or is it possible this is a Ferris Bueller situation? <laughs> the, oh. Yeah, leave a oh. message. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, this is like really hospitable for people who might it might be their first time listening to this, huh? Uh, so this is a show that's about learning to appreciate an artist that we misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed. And uh, I'm Nathan Hunt, trying my new laid-back sort of vibe. I'm Cameron DeWitt, and I'm tense because Becca was making like a very misophonic <laughs> noise right into the microphone, and, and, and also tense because I because I am starting off this episode being angry at my wife. <laughs> now, why would that make you feel tense? <laughs> and I'm Becca DeWitt. And our artist, who you probably will not recognize, is Taylor Swift. Yeah, she's kind of an underground sort of like uh, indie artist. You probably never heard of her. Yeah. This is the last episode for now of this season, 15, because Folklore, she just came out with it like a few months ago. Uh, It was in the summer, right? In July. In July. That's in the summer. Last time I checked. Counts. Uh, this is her her quarantine album, and many of you are probably asking, Cameron, you're a recording artist. How come you didn't make a quarantine album? And yeah, Cameron. The answer is I'm, I helped make a baby, and that's what I did instead with my quarantine. I think it was very productive, and hopefully <laughs> will stand the test of time more than most of the most of your the shitty quarantine albums you'll be hearing. They're all. <laughs> A little sad. Aww. And Cameron, tell us, how do your stomach muscles feel after helping to make a baby? Uh, yeah, Cameron, you know? how's your birth canal? Yeah, tell us about your birth canal. Inquiring minds want to know. Uh, thank you for invalidating my experience. Thank you for reminding me that I can't have my own feelings without them invalidating yours. I can also point out that you helped to make the baby approximately 10 months before the pandemic started. But that's, you know what, math. You know, we're making a baby every day, if you think about it. He's still Oh, geez. Okay. You guys are active. (laughs) Man, I wish I had that kind of frequency, you know? It's just, it's hard to achieve, you know, it's days are busy it's the quarter teen, so like everyone's sad and there's like lots of stress like i don't know how you guys do it so as becca pointed out taylor swift is <laughs> just not... ignoring it moving on okay <laughs> i'm done with this bit uh, as becca pointed out you know taylor is not unrecognized but 
I was interested in covering Taylor Swift because I perceived her to be someone that was disproportionately dismissed mm-hmm. as a, as a pop star, as a musician, as or a misunderstood. That's another that's another possibility. And, and misunderstood. That is yeah. another part of the log line that I yeah. very much have memorized. Yeah, you definitely know those three <laughs> things that I say every episode. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, let's let's not be too hard on Cameron. Like three things is a lot to remember. <laughs> three whole words or concepts? Damn. Who could even do that? So, Becca, you've been making the case for Taylor as the business person. Indeed. Taylor's Indeed. The and business. also I would say it was one of my like research inquiries. I was interested in doing the episode partly because I had this idea that she was a good business person. Yeah. And part of my question was how much was she actually like a driving force in her own success? And I would say at this point in the series, uh, more than I expected by quite a long shot. I think right from the very beginning, there's a pretty, pretty good case that Taylor is really instrumental in her own success. Yeah. What, how does, is there a narrative there of ways that she's, has she just been consistently good or has she changed her tactics in how she's marketed her, persona and her music and how does that play into this album i think she's consistently gotten better but i would say um i mean the thing that's interesting is i think taylor swift is to some extent doing something that nobody has ever done before i definitely don't know enough enough about music to make that claim she's doing something no one's ever done before cameron which is (laughs) which is she's managing success consistently at a level that very few artists have achieved i would say like mm. like prof- conventional professional success. Like there are other kinds of success in music, but in terms of making albums that are selling really well and being chart toppers and sort of figuring out how to ride that wave really successfully, she's doing an amazing job. This album is interesting because one of the things that we've talked a lot about is uh, the way that she tends to boost or promote her new albums. Mm. Um, she tends to like do a lot of kind of teasy drops on social media and billboards leading up to album releases and this album uh she only started hinting at 16 hours before she released it well she released the album and the music video at once um yeah for cardigan so it's interesting it's a very different thing for her it's also only been 11 months or nine months it was only nine months between the release of lover and the release of uh this album and it's almost always two years pretty consistently for her so this is like a bit unconventional for her Hmm. but I would say part of what she's really good at is anticipating trends and figuring out how to play on them. And I think the pandemic is a perfect time to release an album without a lot of, like, what a better way to create buzz, you know, during a pandemic when nothing is going on to just sort of mic drop an album into the middle of the space. Yeah. It's pretty smart. Yeah. So I I, I was just going to say. I was going to say, I also suspect that a thing that she's not good at is not working. And like maybe Uh, she just had like all of her press events and tours and performances just like canceled and she's like all right now i'm gonna pivot to this she was supposed to be touring for lovers starting in april and she uh, obviously did not and you're right she yeah an album instead so i think that's true yeah oh are you looking at me to go back to what i was gonna say i was just gonna say that uh yeah i i looked up the dates lover came out in august of 2019 folklore came out in july of 2020 so less than a year between yeah. them which is Bonkers. I, Irish twins, they call them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <I believe. laughs> like me and my brother. Aw. Yeah, less than a year apart. Shout out to Cameron number one, I guess. The other Cameron. 
yeah, we got a real Arrested Development situation type uh, here. Like uh, we got a instead of Lucille and Lucille two, we got Cameron and Cameron two. And Cameron, you'll always be number two to me. <laughs> uh, I hope that in the biopic, I am played by Liza Minnelli. That would rule. I mean, okay, wait. It's a bold choice. <laughs> okay, hang on. <laughs> okay, let's just go past. Uh, next thing to talk about. Uh, so one of the interest, one of the things I was interested in in discussing and seeing if it played out in the music or not was this idea that uh yeah that taylor is dismissed specifically as someone who is i mean kind of for the opposite reasons of what you're talking about that she's just sort of a capitalist and that whatever she puts her weight behind um whether it is you know innocent or frivolous or or if it's an activist um statement um, or a piece of art, uh, that people are suspicious. Um, and I wanted to, yeah, sort of figure out why and to what extent that was earned. And ultimately, I mean, I still never like watched, I still never watched the documentary that you watched, Mm -hmm. um, where you're talking about her and her uh, family and like PR people, mm-hmm. like she's talking about wanting to get more politically involved mm-hmm. um, and to like uh, be less apolitical. Mm-hmm. It c- now now that we've passed lover, which I feel like is where a lot of that stuff kind of came into the public conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, although it d- definitely started with um, you know shake it off and before that as well, but. Uh, can you what what's the what's the timeline there because in the last album her doing the you need to calm down song i think was the most explicitly political thing that she had done in her art mm-hmm. um when was that scene in that documentary filmed and what were they talking about her wanting to make that music video is that what was going on there no what they're talking about in the okay so the scene in i think it's called miss americana or americana which is the name of her netflix documentary or netflix special is about her uh there was a pretty contentious uh i think it was a governor gubernatorial (laughs) (laughs) but a bunch of goobers a goober a goober (laughs) the best word uh race and the person who it was a woman who was running in tennessee whatever state taylor's like family lives in um and one of the state where she states where she has a home and she really wanted to speak out against this woman because her voting record was uh just against women's rights against like productivity rights and all of these things and that was the race that actually really got her engaged like she really wanted to speak out for her home state race and had this kind of at least the way she pitches it in the Miss Americana documentary is that she had this really contentious conversation with her family about how she'd always been apolitical and her dad especially didn't want her to come out and be more vocal yeah. politically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was all like pre-lover. Mm. Um, so I think that conversation happened between reputation and lover. Interesting. I, I think that it's, that it's interesting that like the, the benefits of being apolitical at a, I, th- I think after, 2016 um it i think the benefits of being apolitical uh decreased substantially Mm, and like it 
it is really difficult to have success as a neutral party um, in the last like five years. I, I perceive that as, as being as being the case. Like, uh, and and I I've seen that, and this is a common topic on the show, but like um, capitalist uh, uh, ac- <laughs> capitalist activism, you know, like or or uh, corporations trying to participate in like conversations. Um, there's this. There's been this like uh, Oreo short film advertisement that's been going around a lot lately uh that people are crying about a lot and it's about like a young i think it's like a mixed race woman who's a lesbian and she's bringing home her uh her like uh, college girlfriend i think to like meet her her white dad and she's i think half black if i remember right and so there's obviously like obviously like some like kind of weird um, elephant in the room on the nose. Like I was gonna say Oreo. Like, yeah, like the, what yeah. the term Oreo means in like terms of race relations is like <laughs> for them to. It's just, already just like fraught. It's you so know? fraught. And maybe, yeah. maybe they're just like, well, we have to do it because <laughs> then it would be an elephant in the room if we didn't. And like, really, I don't yeah. know. But then there's like this, like I don't know. There's this. Uh, I think a lot has changed in the last few years and I think that I believe I believe that Taylor Swift has I I don't think that she is an unfeeling corporate entity and I believe that she has feelings about this stuff and I I would guess that she's starting to feel like the more privileged you are and the worse our culture is the worse our culture is the probably the more implicated she would feel Um, and so I believe I don't know. I, b- I believe in that journey. Uh, I guess the thing that to me, what I'm always interested in is what's happening in the music itself. And is the music, it, is is the, the product, the main kind of pretense of the product, like is that, uh, w- what does that have to do with the persona and the the opinion, the popular opinion of, you know, these artists? That's like what I'm interested in in the show. And Ultimately, it's like I don't. I don't really know if I can like defend mm. <laughs> any of it. It doesn't. At the end of the day, to me, it doesn't feel as powerful. Uh, anything that she said uh, as um, uh, or as incisive as this Oreo commercial that I saw, mm. <laughs> which is. <laughs> I'm not saying to be Damn, like, dude. <laughs> I mean, all that is to say is like. I'm seeing more people share this Oreo commercial than I have seen people uh, share. You need to calm down. Well, Cameron, you know you're, you're just in your your online like uh, like true. echo it's chamber like information bubble of Oreo lovers, and like <laughs> you should open up and listen to the other side of Taylor Swift fans, and maybe go on some different subreddits and seek out diverse voices on Twitter. There's fine people on both sides of Oreos and Taylor Swift, <laughs> the classic dichotomy. You're right. I'm just uh, contributing to the divisiveness. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sick of this polarization. All all that is to say, I'm not trying to criticize Taylor Swift um, as like a person necessarily. I'm just wanting to, I wanted to sort of have my own opinion after listening to the music, which is, um, does the art have 
as positive or as negative effect on the culture as the culture, um, as some voices in the culture say that it does. And ultimately, I feel like the answer to both is is no. Um, Wait, so hang on. Let, let me see if I'm following. You're saying <laughs> that like Taylor Swift is not having, is not like doing effective activism and is not like a force for good in the culture? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying like when people like complain about her like shake it off video and say that it's like super offensive or appropriative, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm skeptical that that's as harmful uh, as some people say that it is. Um, I see. In terms of like, I doubt, I, I doubt that those opinions are monolithic. Um, and similarly, the people who've like, you know, shared around her like more recent uh, uh, active activist stances or um, so, shows of solidarity. Mm-hmm. I also am just not, extremely moved or compelled by those either and um yeah and and the i don't think that the music necessarily is very powerful in either direction Mm, i see uh speaking of music this is uh very much a lana del rey album it's so lana del rey also sufjan yeah yeah when we were listening to it last night um the comparison that kept coming up is is how much it sounds like Sufjan Stevens album Carrie and Lowell Mm -hmm. um there are all of these arpeggiated mandolins and like uh, high-pitched capoed guitars and like um it's just like a lot of finger picking with uh reverb um that's like interestingly mixed and uh yeah a lot of it felt very um directly uh what's the word i'm looking for inspired Um, parody pastiche Uh, it's your favorite word derivative derivative is what i was going to say um that's definitely a more pejorative word than once we were coming up with pejorative word i maybe somewhere in between inspired and derivative but i i sort of had this you know when when sufjan did it for carrie and lowell i was like i feel like okay this is kind of engaging with some simon and garfunkel stuff but in I think in an actually interesting way. Um, and it still sounds like its own thing. And in folklore, uh, I, I felt like musically through a lot of it, the one as at least the tracks that specifically sounded like Carrie and Lowell of which there were definitely a handful. Mm-hmm. I was like, this just sounds like it's, um, I don't know, like, uh, <laughs> like the producers, uh, just finally got around to saying, call me by your name. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> and they're like oh this is cool <laughs> let's do this <laughs> yeah people will cry to this <laughs> <laughs> we all need something to cry about these yeah. days <laughs> so it's that being said i thought it sounded a lot a lot of it i like the production more than uh in previous albums because i like those sounds more mm-hmm. but it didn't necessarily i wasn't excited to hear them Mm-hmm. Like ooh, this new direction that Taylor Swift is going in. It's like it uh, it doesn't feel new to me. It uh, yeah, to her. it it feels new for her. I would say, yeah. right? Yeah, because like it's it's definitely. I mean, this genre of music. I mean, she she has a Bon Iver guest star Justin Vernon on one of the songs, and his at, at least his like first couple albums were very much like this, like very spare 
um i think even more like stripped down and acoustic than this record is um, yeah that was like 10 years ago 11 i think i think it was 2009 when uh, oh, wow. for not the album's, yeah <laughs> um so that was 11 years ago yeah uh but it's it's not i mean it's it's something that's been like somewhat popular but it's not been chart topping you know yeah. um and it's it's an interesting choice for taylor swift who is arguably one of the biggest i mean not arguably definitely one of the definitely one of the biggest pop stars in the world at this time to kind of dabble in what is seen as like kind of an indie movement or genre and uh like sort of bring it to her audience who probably have not heard a lot of this kind of well I shouldn't assume, but I would, I would, I would guess that a lot of her audience has not heard much of this type of music. Much cottage core, would you say? <laughs> Are you going to do a segment on cottage core, explaining what that is? Finally, I have no idea what that is. It was just in the Wikipedia, and I thought it was a oh, delightful yeah. and charming term. It makes me think of cottage cheese, which I think I like more than cottage core, but I'm mm. still delighted by it. It makes me think of cottaging, which is its whole is- other genre. <laughs> Is cottage cheese cottage core? I mean, it seems like by definition it must be, right? Anything with the word cottage in it. So cottage industries, cottage cheese, cottaging. Uh, what's other cottage? Cape Cod. No, that's Cape Cod, not Cape Cottage. Uh, Cape Cod Cottages. Uh, I just looked up cottaging. <laughs> put that in the learning links. Okay. Uh, How could I put such a powerful idea? in the learning link <laughs> it should be a wikipedia um, article for it or something right uh there it is i'm not using the urban dictionary don't because i know that's gonna suck to hear so uh do you i don't know i'm ready to get into the songs when everyone has said their piece i want to say one more thing about current events and tete we talked about it a little bit last week um so last week we talked about her feud with leaving Big Machine Records, which had been her label all the way through her Reputation album. And when she left, um, she really wanted to own her masters. It's been a big thing for... Sorry. (laughs) Excuse Nathan. Sorry. I'm leaving that in. (laughs) Like, you're boring me. I'm falling asleep. You're like visibly drool. It's fine. But don't just... Come on, man. I deserve that. (laughs) My mouse, Um, like, sometimes will double click when I single click. I swear. uh It's been plaguing me. Mm weird how that happens <laughs> stack, um, stack, stack of Lee is the ultimate listening noise so when she left big machine records she really wanted to buy her masters and they offered her the chance to do that uh but but she had to stay she had to like release for every album that she released with them she would earn back an, a new album so at that point she oh, had that's shitty Six. She would have had to stay for another six albums. So instead, they sold her stuff to Scott Bruschetta. That's a joke. Scott <laughs> Bruschetta, but Bruschetta's a better name. I'm hungry. Do we have any cheese? Any cheese? Um, Let's have cottage cheese and bruschetta in, God, in her honor. Yeah. In a public bathroom. <laughs> Best place to eat stuff. <laughs> Um, so instead her, her masters were sold to Scott Borchetta, who she's had a lot of feud with, feuds with because he manages Kanye, blah, 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 blah. Last oh, week, that sucks. I did not know that's who bought them. Yeah, but that happened like two years ago. Last oh, week, okay. he sold her masters to an investment firm called the Shamrock Industries. The Shamrock Shakes? Shamrock. 
Shamrock Holdings. Was it Shamrock Shakes? <laughs> Shamrock Shakes, yeah. Shamrock, Shamrock Shake Holdings. Milkshakes with her. Who she also off. has beef with. <laughs> <laughs> she just hates the Irish. Um, and she was in negotiations about buying the back catalog, but part of the contingency she says for her to buy her own masters from Scott was that she had to agree to never say anything negative about him in public again before he would let her see how much she was selling it for. Hot damn. So she couldn't even opt in to look at the pricing before she would agree that she would never say anything negative about him in public again. So she was like, nope, I'm not going to do that. that so she like, didn't buy her masters. That's like S tier so fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, so she is moving forward with re-recording her back catalog. She just missed the American Music Awards because she was recording. Whoa, so she's, she's doing, doing it. it. Yeah, wow. she's back in the original studio where she recorded several of her first albums and wow. is yeah and is re-recording. So it's really interesting. Um, Getting the band back together. Yeah, yeah. really. That's gonna be oh boy. I wonder. I wonder how close That's they gonna are. Gonna be a lot be. of work for Nathan Chapman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is he even doing lately? Um, yeah, I, w- I actually happened upon a discussion of it on Reddit talking about like how Taylor Swift owns the, I believe, publishing rights, but not the recording, well, not the recording rights of her masters. And so like she is perfectly legally able to just produce an entirely new recording. And I think it can even sound as much as possible like the first recording and it will be fine. And people were talking about how she might be able to offer like undercut the price of the, mm-hmm. of the original recordings. Oh, like if someone wants to license uh-huh. it, she'd be like, well, you can get the new version uh, for, you know, the, the 10% cheaper and uh, cut Shamrock shakes holding company out of the deal. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. <laughs> you'll just, you'll just have to know in, in, in your heart that these new versions are by the new dissolution tailor. Yeah. That says, Big cusses in her songs. She's, so many big she cusses. cusses. It's been she didn't cuss for years, and now she's like doing it left and right. She swears like four five, times. four four big cusses, upwards of a couple of cusses. <laughs> so many. It's like it's like it's, it's so frequent. Uh, yeah, that because she her first swear was like one maybe two albums ago, like literally Which, her first swear. Which which swear was it? It was she said shit, and I genius pointed it out as like this is the first time that Taylor Swift has ever uh, sweared a cuss in has one of her shit. songs. <laughs> has ever shit. <laughs> she's she's been life. so backed up. <laughs> uh, I don't remember when that was. I, I should I, I took, should I, I Google Taylor bad. Swift's first cut? Did you search? Did you search Taylor Swift shit in Google no, Images? I searched. The name of the song is I Did Something Bad. Oh, okay. I thought you did something bad. I did, have never done anything Okay, let bad. me just do a quick image search for Taylor Swift <laughs> shit. Let me make sure that uh, safe search is off. Okay, here we go. Some interesting results here. I didn't really do it. Woof. Um, any, any more Wait, of what that album story was that? or should we get into I think the one other thing for factual accuracy is Shamrock Holdings reached out to her about partnering and working together. And she responded and said, yes, I'm interested. And then learned that Scott Borchetta is going to be continuing to make money off of her masters for quite a while with the deal that he cut. And so that's why she was like, nope, I'm out. Gross. He ain't getting any of my money. So now I'm just, I'm I'm imagining like, or the beginning. Oh, the beginning, the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end. Only the beginning. Oh, who can say? Oh, I'm just imagining like Spotify having, double versions of Tay Tay albums for like everything. <laughs> That's going to no. be bonkers. 
No way. I mean, they're going to have her only her new stuff, right? That's the thing is she has so much leverage. Oh, is she going to leverage uh, Spotify and get make them drop her old masters, you think? I think she will. Because yeah, I mean, I think art, well. She might. Taylor wasn't even mm. on Spotify for like years. Oh, that's and right. And then she came back after 1989. So she has like a precedented history of being like, nope, no thanks, I'm out. Like, I think, I mean, she's such a big deal. I think she, I think she's going to totally just like burn, burn it. I think. Wow. She probably has the power really to make it happen her. too. I think she does too. Yeah. Cause like, I, I don't think Shamrock Holdings is going to make money. I think it's going to be a bad deal for them. Good. Fuck those guys. Good. <laughs> Fuck fuck that bruschetta guy. Scott's good to go though. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's cool. Scott no matter what is good to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh should we get into some of the songs? Well, let's do it. Let's jump in. Okay. The one. It's it's starting on the one with the one. It's track number one. You'll never know. And if you wanted me, you really should have showed. And if you never bleed, you're never gonna grow. And it's all right now. With something, don't you think so? Roaring twenties, tossing pennies in the pool. And if my wishes came true, it would have been you. Num num num. <laughs> I was wondering who was going to be the first to break the silence and with what, and I was very surprised. <laughs> so good job. Got to do an instant replay of that. <laughs> Uh, uh, Taylor Swift is doing good. She's on some new shit. Uh, when she's been saying, she's been saying yes instead of no. I think she finally watched the, uh, uh, I think 2013 Jim Carrey vehicle, Yes Man. I think she finally got around to watching <laughs> that in her Netflix queue. Movie. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now she can join the rest of us. Yeah. In the in a post <laughs> yes, yes Man, man world. <laughs> in the Yes world, we call it. Uh. Um. Yeah, I, I just want to point out that uh, during a pandemic, you should probably not be uh, upping the amount of times you say yes to stuff <laughs> instead of no. <laughs> I probably feel like you should uh, go the other direction. Just throwing that out there. Well, so this is uh, what's the song about? Someone explain <laughs> it to me. That's a good question. Um, uh, it, uh, uh, it, she, I mean, there's a lot of like kind of disconnected imagery that doesn't do a lot for me uh she says i thought i saw you at the bus stop i didn't though so it's the old bait and switch i think they call that um i hit the ground it was was someone of the same race (laughs) oh no cameron (laughs) oh shit um but i think the chorus is probably the closest this song gets to actually saying what it's about and she says it would have been fun if you would have been the one because uh, she says, but we were something, don't you think so? Uh, and if my wishes came true, it would have been you. In my defense, I have none for never leaving well enough alone. So it's uh, it's it's kind of this new direction that Taylor Swift is going where she's writing a song about a romantic relationship. And uh, <laughs> she, she's starting out this new genre with like some new subject matter for her. Does in my defense, I have none grammatically track? It seems like something that's in a, some it seems like it's clever, but it, it doesn't feel like it is clever. I don't think it tracks grammatically, but conceptually, sure. Yeah, but in yeah, in my defense, I have none. If it, if it had said in my defense, I don't have a defense. I 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I have no... Def- yeah, it's it's the pluralization, uh, the none. Uh, none can be singular. Or I have nothing in my defense. I have nothing in my defense. Yeah, but then that would be ambiguous because then it sounds like she's like leading some sort of ascetic life where she's given up on worldly possessions. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, I I have to say uh, yeah, I don't she, think she has. She, she has like ha- the biggest house in the whole world, <laughs> which she, she wrote a song about it too. Yeah, <laughs> a, Mo- cu- a couple of them. She's yeah. got she's got multiple houses. She sings about at least one of them in this album. She also sings about a yacht at one point. Yep. Although I think someone Maybe else has the yacht. All her pennies. Yeah, but she has. Fr- yeah. She's she, she communicates with people with yachts. That's true. But she's shooting guns at them, which is something everyone should support. <laughs> Let's eat the rich and cannon all their yachts until they sink. Did, did Taylor Swift ever say uh, hashtag I am Antifa? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Sarah Iannarone, I- um, the person who tried to become the next mayor of Portland. Yeah, uh, just like that, that uh, great scene from the Star Wars prequels where uh, the emperor says, I am the Senate. <laughs> sort of like the same vibes i think (laughs) good (laughs) do it do it uh Uh, there's some extremely uh local politics for everyone out there uh for some of y'all out there yeah it's local no it's local to Um, us i mean because i live here too well sort of i don't I wasn't able to vote in that election because I'm not technically in that city. I'm across the river. So it's your fault that Ted Wheeler's still mayor. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm sorry. I tried to God vote so many times. <laughs> the 3,500 oh. of my illegal votes were kind of tossed out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> they were counted for Biden, though, in Arizona. So that's uh, that's something. <laughs> um, so do you want to play the... <laughs> The sound sample that says, that's some cool shit, in all caps. Yeah. I have this dream you're doing cool shit. Having adventures on your own. You meet some woman on the internet and take her home. That is some pretty cool shit. Cool. (laughs) You got some kind of dating app? (laughs) God God damn. Wow, you met a woman on the internet? (laughs) Dreams are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> In my dream, it's so wacky that there are women on the internet. Isn't that, isn't that wild? It's crazy. Hot hot singles in your area. <laughs> um, I just thought that was like... A, okay, so <laughs> there's all this stuff in this album. She's, she's writing probably a majority of the songs it's like half antonoff from fun exclamation point mm. and half um dresden is that his name that's a city desner desner i desner. Mm, there it is uh, of, the national. Uh, of the national yeah um oh really and there are all of these lyrical moments and uh, musical moments that feel kind of cooler <laughs> <laughs> um in in this album and i don't mean i think they're cooler but they feel like they're coded in this kind of different way indie um, like, shit yeah like indie, indie cool coded like yeah. uh production and some lyrics and some of the in- imagery and stuff cottage core yeah and <laughs> <laughs> can that be a sound sample <laughs> <laughs> 
Becca saying cottage core whispered into the mic. Yeah, that should be a recurring um, uh, sound sample we use. And she there's just these there's these moments in the lyrics where I feel like Taylor kind of comes to the front and surfaces and she says something like kind of dorky mm. like I had a dream that you were being super cool and like on dating apps. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I feel like there's it's just sort of strange tonally because when she would have like said something dorky before it would have been adorkable and in this sort of like I don't know kind of peppy delivery um, mm-hmm. or in this like petulant delivery and it's really funny to hear her throughout this album say to me things that are like kind of silly uh but with this like very cool like cool 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 people music yeah it's the kind of the kind of music that she's been um kind of complaining about yeah she has complained her entire career (laughs) yeah she's literally finally jake gyllenhaal will love one of her albums yeah Yeah. (laughs) finally yeah she's literally had songs where she's like yeah i bet you went to some indie show that was way cooler than mine or, or something like that yeah um but yeah you're right she's definitely like adopted this kind of sort of like lana del rey this sort of like understated like detached sort of cool delivery uh cool in the sense of like sort of uh uh less less heated up and just sort of like more understated yeah i really like the lines she ends chorus number one with the line you know the greatest films of all time were never made which I think is a fairly effectively like nostalgic line. It doesn't like really mean anything. Like I don't actually believe it, but yeah. it sets a mood in a way that's kind of fun and flippant and sort of aloof. And then she ends the second verse, you know, the greatest loves of all time are over now, which I like. Mm. I like the sort of the pairing of those two things. And I also feel like that mood fits the album or fits a lot of the album really well, that it's sort of this like nostalgic kind of hearkening back to like the twenties, this like, sort of grandiose romance Mm -hmm. i like that you're sure it's not just her trying to like be hipster and say like oh i'm only into (laughs) really obscure movies that have never existed (laughs) i think she i mean i think she kind of is but i think it's sort of an she's like channeling something culturally that i think is sort of i don't know i think it's interesting Uh, i think it's a funny one my favorite movies oh you probably never heard of them they never got made (laughs) Um, They're pretty underground. My favorite movie, Jodorowsky's uh, Dune. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the documentary about it. The actual yeah. one that didn't get made. <laughs> Should we talk about Cardigans? Apparently. Oh, the most Lana Del Rey song. Ooh, boy. Smile, black lipstick, sensual politics. When you are young, they assume you. If someone had not told me this was Taylor Swift and played it for me, I would have been, yeah, I would have said, uh, yeah, this is definitely Lana Del Rey. This is 100% Lana Del Rey. Um, I don't know if she's changed up her style. I think the last album I listened to of hers came out in 2015 or 2016, maybe. Um, but this is so similar to the two or three albums of hers that I had heard up to that point. Um, and just like the delivery, the songwriting, the melodies is so Lana Del Rey. Um, in a way, I don't think we've heard Taylor Swift like, do this straightforward a 
pastiche slash imitation of another artist before, I don't think. I felt like she did some Bieber pastiche in the last one. Oh. A little bit in Lover. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I'm not very familiar with Justin Bieber, so I guess I didn't catch that. It's too late now to say oh, sorry. Fuck. Well, you live in the Bieber state, and I don't, so there. <laughs> so is this... <laughs> I always am in the Bieber state. <laughs> I'm in a Bieber state of mind. Uh, call back to season 14. Um, so is this about uh, being in a relationship with an older man who is taking advantage of her naivete? Is that what this is about? It's kind of hard um, to say. Yeah. If this is about it, <laughs> something. If this, is well, this about? It's difficult. Is, is this about? Um, I don't know if, if it's very clear the person she's with is an older person. I don't really see much evidence for that. I think... Well, they say, and when you were young, they assume you know nothing. Yeah, that could be... It could very well be that the new person she's involved with is younger than her. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the refrain, like, comes up with a metaphor that is trying to embody what she's getting at with the song when she's... Or, I guess it's a simile. Um, and when I felt like I was an old cardigan under someone's bed, you put me on and said I was your favorite. So she's feeling old and frumpy and discarded and abandoned and someone plucks her out of this abandonment and uh recognizes the value in her oh interesting eyebrow plucking is really a better metaphor she should have gone because yes because people have have accused people have accused taylor swift of being like a a cougar before Uh, have they oh yeah we talked about this was it the episode you were about this last last week we talked about the Da Vinci Code. It might have been the episode you weren't uh, on because there was like no. I think I think it was because because she talks about she she throws Leo under. The oh bus yeah, Leo for, for dating younger women and the the age and difference and stuff. Song. Yeah, I was the man, man, man. That's man, it. Man. Yeah, yeah. Because because man, has I feel had, like, like a man. <laughs> I think it's how that song went. Bow 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 now now. Um, I recently bought a uh, a sort of like a, a raglan sweatshirt with leopard print, and I, I think about Shania Twain <laughs> every time I wear it, which is frequently. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's uh, yeah, it's very. It's an article of power. <laughs> it's imbued with. And you wear it powerful with her Canadian country energy. <laughs> uh. Ooh. This is the lead from this album. I don't like it. Mm. Don't you don't like, like this song? It. I don't like it. I don't like it very much. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I like several songs from this album. This is not my favorite at all, especially the like melody. I'm just not, I don't, mm. I don't really want to listen to it. Well, I think you're listening to it in the wrong context. A song like this is just really made to be heard just pounding at the club. And we just can't really have that right now during quarter team. <laughs> Just imagine, like, this comes bum, on bum, at the club. Everyone just loses their shit when this song drops. It'll, it'll make anyone start moving. Just get up and dance, and even if you don't dance. Um, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble moving forward because I'm just imagining <laughs> Usher singing Heyo. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm imagining Taylor Swift in a cottage <laughs> dancing to this. The song. cottage club. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Uh, should, we, should we talk about the last great American dynasty? I think this might be the best song I would agree. on the mm. album. I would agree. Mm. Although. Oh, <laughs> Rude. <laughs> you shouldn't interrupt Taylor Swift. Doctor had told him to settle down. It must have been her fault. His heart gave out, and they said, "There goes the last great American dynasty." Who knows if she never showed up? I got a take that might be hot. I think it's gauche to wor- use the word gauche. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so uh, it's so meta. It's so uh, recursive. But I mean, I mean it. <laughs> Do you know what the word gauche means in French? No. It uh, it means left. Oh, interesting. Yeah. As in so leftist, as in no, like political statement. I think it, I think in terms of like uh, left-handed bigot- bigotry against left-handed people, in the oh. in the same way that uh, sinister derives from the Latin word for left-handed. Huh. Oh, yep. weird. Or left side, maybe I guess. I, I th- I'm not 100% certain that's the, the reason that that word means that from French, but I do know that is what that means in French. It's like the the uh, the left bank in French is rive gauche. That's a hot take. His take is hotter than yours. <laughs> <laughs> my take of... Sorry, uh, <laughs> my take of a very boring uh, <laughs> explanation of what the word gauche means in its derivation. <laughs> it's hot. Ooh, look what I just found out just right oh. this second. Oh. <laughs> Not at all a minute or two before. Uh, I looked up the etymology of gauche, and it apparently literally replaced the word sinister because the word sinister used to mean awkward or awry. Uh, but oh, now, interesting. And so that it, it eventually I became like evil right. or nasty. And so gauche co- came to uh, replace it, but also uh, continue the bigotry against left-handed people. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. Maybe they'll die out. <laughs> uh, shout out to our son, who's left-handed. <laughs> our five-year-old baby boy. <laughs> who, who, I, who I had to switch places with at, at, the, uh, at the picnic table today because he was being... Uh, he was aggressively elbowing me. <laughs> he was aggressively left-handed at you. Yeah. He needs every advantage he can get when he eats. <laughs> Yes, he really does. I mean, that's the thing. It's like I could, I, I could have just ate with my left hand. I'm pretty sure that I'm better with my non-dominant hand at getting the food directly in my mouth. Oh man, yeah, humble definitely. brag over here. Definitely. Look at me; I can eat with two hands. All right, the last great American dynasty. Guys, this is a great song. Yeah. It's a story it's song. A song. It's Tell a song about an actual thing. It's a song about a real house called house. the Holiday House that Taylor Swift owns. And that used to be owned several years before by a woman named Rebecca Harkness, who uh, was a wealthy socialite who, like, married this oil magnet, and then he died. And it's all about their, like, lavish parties they used to throw in this house, and then some of the parallels between Taylor Swift's own life and commentaries that have been made about her and things that were said about Rebecca Harkness. It's a pretty high-concept song. Yes. In that it has a really concept. Is. Really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Taylor, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Bazinga! Well, uh, later, um, in like a track or two, there's a there's another high concept song which is called "My Tears Ricochet," 
which is what if my tears ricochet? <laughs> <laughs> and it's all about all the implications that that would have. What if they're just all ping ponging all over the place, like pew 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 pew, boing pew? Well, what if that? Uh, yeah, I I think the song is really lovely. Um, they're you know talking basically it's it's about how people don't want girls to have fun <laughs> i was gonna even say though actually, literally we've not. already discussed this decades ago <laughs> that they want to have fun <laughs> that they want to and that they should ultimately i mean uh, cindy lopper made a very compelling case should we listen um, to cindy lopper on this show i mean i think maybe. i might love cindy lopper <laughs> Cindy Lopper is fucking great. Lopper or hater? Actually, I I kind of think that we <laughs> should talk you. about Heart. <laughs> oh, huh? They have so uh, many albums. Really? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck I'm getting business done. Business <laughs> on the clock. <laughs> think about that season sixteen. You're, uh, you're saying interesting things about women and their success. And Cindy Lopper. And Cindy Lopper. I I think in general people who are trying to operate in conventional ways in society can be threatened by people who seem to be free of those conventions by whatever means. Um, and I think that especially gets leveled against women um, when they're experiencing freedom and when, uh, when they're doing it publicly, it comes, a, it comes across to these ultimately conservative people as um flaunting um and uh i think that this is a yeah a great a great song that mostly shows and not tell and and doesn't tell um although uh you know there's lines like there goes the most shameless woman this town has ever seen she had a marvelous time ruining everything but i think i think that that's a reasonable amount of underlining and italicizing and uh yeah yeah, and obviously she she could have written this song without talking about herself um, explicitly in the text of the song, and I think it I think it would have been clear. But she, but I think it is interesting that she bought the house and like and as a, like a and has this personal relationship with the story, and I think that that is makes the song more interesting because of yeah. the story behind it so. also i just i just want to point out that when she says this there goes the most shameless woman this town has ever seen uh the town in question is called watch hill rhode island and uh, it has a population of 154 as of the 2010 census so not not exactly you know the most superlative thing to say that she's the most shameless woman that town has ever seen so just uh just pointing that out there uh wikipedia actually has a, a really fun uh <laughs> They summarize the 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 New York Times uh, uh, saying that this town is a community with quote a strong sense of privacy and discreetly used wealth in contrast with the quote overpowering castles of the very rich in nearby Newport. Interesting. Yeah. Discreetly used wealth. Mm-hmm. Can you play my sound sample, Nathan? Yes. The whole bridge. They say she was seen on occasion Pacing the rocks, staring out at the midnight sea And in a feud with her neighbor She stole his dog and died at Key Lime Green Fifty years is a long time Holiday house side, quietly on that beach Free of women with madness The men in bad habits And then it was bought by me She killed a dog with fruit? 
With citrus? She dyed it. <laughs> okay. She done dyed it. <laughs> she made it die. That's, that's ghastly. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it was actually a cat, according to the genius. Oh. But it is something she really did, is <laughs> took the neighbor's cat and dyed it. That's uh, even worse with the cat. Jesus. Yeah. A dog could be like weirdly into that. Yeah, She's like, oh, exactly. I'm getting any attention. Any attention is good attention. Yeah. <laughs> also, a dog does not give a shit about how it looks, and the cat is, like, yeah. so fastidious. I really like this. I think this is some of the most, like, effective storytelling she's ever done. She she's This whole song in general, the lyric writing is really dense. Like, having a marvelous time. Even just the language of marvelous time. The word marvelous yeah. is very specifically, like, time-locked. Yeah. As being an old word. And Marvelous, as being sort of specifically darling. linked to women. It's a gas. Yeah. yeah, it's almost specifically like Bostonian or like wealthy upper crust. 23 is Skadoo. Wonderful. And then this segment, she has so many just dense images. They say she was seen on occasion pacing the rocks, staring out at the midnight sea. So she's like envisioning this woman kind of in this like lonely, mysterious way. Then she tells this great, super succinct story in two lines, like one of the best stories she's ever told. And in a feud with a neighbor, she stole his dog and dyed it key lime green. That's the best story Taylor's ever told. That's it. Done. Yeah. Don't yeah. ever write another album, Taylor. You did it. Yeah. Right there. Very succinct. <laughs> you done did it. Lovely. All of the details. And then 50 years is a long time. Holiday House sat quietly on that beach, which is great. It establishes like a sense of breath and space after these really dense stories. And then Free of Women with Madness, They're Men and Bad Habits, and Then It Was Bought by Me. It's just such lovely. It's like by far, I would say, some of the best writing she's ever done. I really, really like that. Yeah. I like her sudden appearance in her own song. Like, yeah. It's, this is the first time she shows up. It's just very sudden. The the last line of the of the bridge, and then it was bought by me. It's like, whoa, Taylor Swift just showed up in this song. What? I'm really curious to how the writing credits split percentage wise uh, in the lyrics, um, because she co-wrote this with Aaron Desner of the <clears throat> National, and but the concept's clearly hers, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And the connections seem to be clearly hers, unless she was just having a candid conversation with Aaron about a house that she recently bought, and um, she told him the history, and then and then he put the pieces together or mm. whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it seems like it's probably her concept and her idea. Yeah. And uh, I'm just curious to what part he had a he, to what extent he played a part in the lyric writing. Friends, in her last album, she claimed that she went to Bridgetown. I would argue in this bridge, she actually makes it there. <laughs> it's a good bridge. Bridgetown, we've arrived. It's a good bridge. <laughs> the bridge also flows really nicely. I don't like a, a bridge that feels like it's uh, a dramatic change of pace. It just sort of keeps going, and it doesn't feel like you're in a radically different section of, of the song. Mm-hmm. You could do that if the song's cool and, and feels nice. The song makes me wish that Taylor Swift would write more songs about anything. Just anything. (laughs) She would just like take a break from writing songs about love or imagined love. You know, because it's like this is like a kind of an amazing historical fiction song. I kind of want her to just like write songs about real things that happened for a little while. Not in her love life or another teenager's love life. And just, Mm -hmm. do you know? Yeah, I agree. It's 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 almost it's almost like edging into the Sufjan Stevens school of songwriting of a uh, song as Wikipedia entry, <laughs> as Cameron and I were just talking about uh, pre-recording off mic. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, I was going to say, I, uh, I looked up this house on Google maps. Uh, it's pretty easy to find. 
It's right on the corner of Larkin Road and Bluff Avenue in Watch Hill, Rhode Island. It's the extreme southeast, uh, the south, the southernmost and easternmost point of Rhode Island, or westernmost rather. Sorry, um, it's kind of pointing out to almost towards like Long Island or something. Um, but it's a pretty amazing like little compound she's got going. It's it's on this huge cliff above the sea. Um, and, uh, it turns out the entire house is blurred out on Google street view. Um, so if you like go to do the street view and like walk along the road and just like take a little peek at our house, it's all blurred out. And, huh. and I was like, oh man, how come I can't have that? Like, why is it always gotta be the richos and famos that get like special treatment with the blurring out <laughs> stuff? And it turns out, uh, you can do that. Like anyone can do that on Google. You just like request that they blur stuff out and they'll do it for you. Oh, great. So yeah, if you, if you guys want your domiciles, uh, uh, blurred out there. If you if 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 you love those blurred lines, um, then you should go on the Google and uh, request to get everything uh, privacy screened for you. Shout out to Aaron um, <laughs> Robin Thick. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Robin Thick. Yeah, Robin Thick. The know. best I of us. Probably invented Aaron Thick. He's a Canadian actor, songwriter, and game show. Talk, uh, uh, talk He's the father of singer Robin Thicke. Oh. He's my favorite Thicke. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, yeah, that song's great. That's a good one. I, I like that a lot. That I, I would say that this song feels like the most effective departure from what I normally expect from Taylor Swift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, although I would say that. It, it doesn't feel dissimilar to some of her like high school romance storytelling kind of songs in, in some ways Um, that she's like, yeah, talking about these characters that she has compassion for and, um, and, and the struggles that they have. Uh, But it just feels like it's put to a much uh, more interesting use. You actually care about these people. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, there's a lot of really good details about this woman. Um, once her husband dies, she just like kind of embraces, um, <laughs> as the devil puts it in the film, The Witch, wouldst thou like to live deliciously? <laughs> and she lives deliciously. In verse two, uh, she flies in all of her bitch pack friends from the city, that is New York, filled the pool with champagne and swam with the big names and blew through the money on the boys and the ballet and losing on card game bets with Dali. So that's Salvador Dali. Uh, she like commissioned him to do a, a number of works for her, which is a fun little detail. And I'll, apparently gambled with him. Yeah, apparently. Card games, yeah. Card game bets. <laughs> uh, should we talk about um, Boniver? Mm, I guess so. That's the bonniest bear I ever did see. Ah. And it took you five whole minutes to pack us up and leave me with it. Holding all this love out here in the hall I think I've seen this film before And I didn't like the ending You're not my homeland anymore So what am I defending? So it's interesting to hear um, Justin Vernon of Bon Iver uh, enunciate <laughs> He's a real mush mouth, isn't he? Like even more than Michael yeah. Stipe back in the eighties. <laughs> there is this, uh, yeah, this this trend of like in, in that era of in, indie folk 
music, whatever that means, of um, just very kind of sexy... Um, Mumbling. Often, often, often like kind of a feat, like singing. Um, and it's more about like the delivery than the actual like literal words often. And I, I, it took me a really long time to figure out what Bon Iver was singing about um, when I started listening to him. Turns out it's just some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's singing in his like in like a Johnny Cash voice. He's how funny would low. it be if when Taylor came on on this song, she was just like <laughs> yeah, singing I that same sing octave low too, <laughs> <laughs> or just like totally mumbling all her words. Uh, that would have been a good move. It's a yeah. missed opportunity for. Her. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know how how common it is for uh, Justin Vernon to be singing in that low register. I recall. Mo- I mean, I've only listened to the one album for Emma forever ago, which turns out came out in two thousand seven, not two thousand nine. Like I said. Oh wow! Even earlier. Yeah, I've only ever listened to that one, and I recall most of that being pretty high, and maybe even um, like a lot of it's just like straight up falsetto, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least sounds like that. Uh, so this is another. St- story song or it's at least like a scene uh and basically taylor's ex or the character taylor's character's ex-lover is played by justin vernon and he sees her and her new lover together and uh what what does he what does he say he says uh um i can see you standing honey with his arm around your body he he's just like very (laughs) he's just very cynical and uh, about both of these people and especially like the new lover Uh, taylor says i can see you staring honey like he's just your understudy like you'd get your knuckles bloody for me it's kind of a it's kind of like a strange what it feels like a like a like a like a feminine like fantasy of like men fighting for you. Um, <laughs> I'm not looking. I'm looking at you because you're part of the podcast. No, not, I'm. Am I'm I right, Becca? <laughs> That's what everyone I'm wants. Just <laughs> I just. I'm just. Whatever. It's fine. I'm bored. This is boring. This oh. podcast is boring. No, no. Hey, let me podcast. just start. This I'll just play playing some music. Just, oh, the song. You don't like the song. I. Like, it was one thing when Taylor was going on ad nauseum about real relationships that felt a little bit nauseating. But now that she's not even talking about real relationships, I just feel so over it. I'm just like, <laughs> why are you imagining this fake situation that doesn't, you know? It's just really weird. It's like a weird way to spend your time. It's just imagining what could happen in a relationship that could, you know. Yeah. That's but, what the, the size not at you. I don't feel implicated. Okay, thanks. Mm. I mean, I didn't feel implicated. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's some there's some more like very gendered kind of language uh, where Justin Vernon says, "I never learned to read your mind." Um, oh no, no, no. He says, "You never gave a warning sign." And she says, "I gave so many warning signs." Uh, and then also it is gendered. "I never learned to read your mind." That's like a a sort of trope of um uh, he- like heterosexual miscommunication, um, you know, that like the man says, well, I'm not a mind reader, um, like, because like women are so confusing or, and so passive, you know, is, is the trope. Um, and I feel like she's engaging with that in this like call and response. And that's kind of what she's talking about. 
and she's sort of pitching um, Justin Vernon as being a, a, or his character as being a toxic man in in and a, a stereotype. And I don't mean like I, she shouldn't. I, it's a true stereotype. There are obviously a lot of people like this. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, we have a city full of proud boys, probably still, you know, right now. <laughs> Another local. Uh, I mean, they're everywhere, but. Yep. Um, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I agree. I'm not really sure why this is a song. It feels more interested in the drama. Um, the depiction feels like some kind of endorsement. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I don't, I can, a lot of people write songs about fake scenarios. I mean, I'm thinking about Mountain Goats and also about um, uh, Pedro the Lion. Both like write a lot of songs about fictional scenarios, but it's like they do it in order to talk about like really real and deep things like deep loneliness or like, you know, they're, they're doing it to actually explore deeper concepts. Whereas for Taylor, it feels like she just likes talking about relationships being over and relationships ending. And the I get it when it's The concept of this one is, what if you life? ran into your ex? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, high I concept. If you're talking about your own life and you need to process it, I get that. But it's like when you're when you're just talking about like a fictional, it's like you're you're all done processing and now you're just making up more fictional relationships. <laughs> it feels like wheels, wheel spinning. Well, yeah. yeah. Just like, yeah. why? I mean, Becca, Write you, some more stuff about your house. You got to cut her some slack because it's, it's a quarter teen. She can't have any like real relationships to, to end and write songs about. So she's got to imagine a bunch of them. <laughs> What? Because what else could she possibly write songs about? Honestly, could she? Or else, or or else you could say you could finally say that she goes on too many dates. <laughs> oh yeah, during the 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 lockdown, going yeah. arguably going on any amount of dates. Well, I mean, it depends on the precautions involved, I guess. And oh, but, okay, I don't want to get into that. Never mind. Let's move on. <laughs> former former guest of the show, Jay Rourke, uh, just fell in love with someone that he met during quarantine. So, so he goes on too many dates, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was very responsible. Well, um, we should probably wrap up. I mean, I think that the the first section of this album is the most interesting. Yeah, and then. To me, once Jack Antonoff starts getting back in the mix, um, I start getting annoyed more actively. Um, I'm kind of tired of his whole deal, at least the way that he writes with with Taylor Swift. Um, what about the song about the repression, the recession? <laughs> I screwed my own joke. Fuck. Song about the re- and guys, what about the song about the recession? <laughs> you know, Mirrorball. <laughs> I killed it. I ruined my joke. <laughs> it didn't happen. I don't under. I don't understand it. Me either. Oh, Moneyball. Oh, that's not. I thought Moneyball's that was not about the recession. Sports. It's about uh, baseball. Shit, you guys! <laughs> I'm leaving this in. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be your lasting legacy on the show. This is the final <laughs> word from Becca. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Invisible String because I really like that song. I also just read some hot goss. Oh, or maybe some gosh gosh gosh. That's going to be a new like theater like tongue twister that people used to warm up. Gosh, goss, gosh, goss, gosh, goss, Ryan Gosling dish some gosh, gosh. Fuck! I just updated the episode title. Now I have to do it again. Do it again. Okay. That was brilliant. 
the Goshgas is that uh, Betty, which is not a great song about another fictional high school romance, why, is named after uh, Blake Lively and Ryan Gosling. Nope. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, you knew this. Ryan Reynolds. Well, I saw another genius. Whose name they had been carefully guarding and protecting and then agreed to let her leak via the song Betty. But it's about like a made up person. So I don't know how... Yeah. In what sense is are they is she actually revealing it? It's just like, oh, hey, there's this fictional person named Betty. Wink, Surprise. wink. <laughs> hey, you got. I'm I'm unveiling that new name here that no one's ever heard before. Betty, the new name's dropped. Uh, should we talk about Invisible String? Can we do that? Sure. Yeah, and yeah, then we should be done. Mm. Yes, because I think we're gonna get uh, interrupted pretty soon mm. more than we already have been. There. Teal was the color of your shirt when you were 16 at the yogurt shop You used to work at to make a little money Time, curious time, give me no compasses, give me no signs Were there clues I didn't see? Good is the grammar she writes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't like that about this song that she does the whole thing using that sentence construction, which is very strange. Oh yeah, the like inverted the Yoda core, yeah. I think uh, I'd call it <laughs> Yoda core. <laughs> However, I do think that it's really pretty. Um, we didn't include her like me. Oh, I have a sound sample of that. Ooh. Can we listen to it? It's pretty. The miasmus. Miasmus. Telling you to me. <laughs> this is uh this is definitely the sufianiest song by that you mean it's another club banger yeah <laughs> we were all dancing to yeah. it just now to the sound sample yeah if yanni was a sufi he would definitely i have written the song <laughs> oof, oof. <laughs> oh. is uh, that a bad one it's mm. a bad one okay um i i just like the feeling of it it's very light and it has a lot of specific detail, which I think is very nice. And it's also a much better version of God Bless the Broken Road. What, the, like, oh. what is that one? The like, whole pull of it is the... um, Time Curious Time Gave Me No Compasses, Gave Me No Signs, Were There Clues I Didn't See, and Isn't It Just So Pretty to Think All Along There Was Some Invisible String Tying You to Me. I like that line a lot. Destiny! Because she's not, well, but she's not... I like that she's not saying... We were always invisibly tied to one another. She's just saying, like, isn't it pretty to think? Yeah. Which I think is some nice sort of self-reflection about herself. Like, that yeah. is the way that her brain works. I agree. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh. Uh, pr- pr- yeah, it, it's uh, in a nice way um, sor- sort of self-deprecating. But because that maybe area is a thing that maybe could be deprecated mm. to herself. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but I so I don't even think it's self-deprecating. I think it's just it just feels sort of whimsical. It feels very romantic to me. Very like it is fun. There's something that happens when you're, um, you know, the, like myopic vision that happens when you're in a 
in a romantic relationship sometimes where you're like, oh, it all meant like something. It's really fun to go back and reconstruct these details about your lives just because suddenly this one pairing, this one relationship has so much focus yeah. that it's fun and interesting to stop and think about it. And I think mm. that is like a very real part of romance is like wanting, mm. at least to me, is like wanting to spend sort of an inordinate amount of time thinking about things that in other relationships maybe wouldn't matter as much. Um, yeah, sort of like a willful, constructive confirmation bias yeah yeah and and in a time when she's like writing this album that's mostly thinking about she's spending a lot of time thinking about things that don't make any sense to me in this album mm. which is like fictionalizing about blake lively's child as a high schooler yeah i don't get it but but this makes a lot of sense to me it's like oh yeah you're just kind of like you're a little bored you're thinking about you're like someone you love and they're you know these fun little connections. It's sweet. Ba- bad was the blood of the song in the cab on your first trip to LA. <laughs> I just bad. got that. <laughs> uh, this bad blood. Oh, yeah. that's her song. Bad blood. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean the, 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 some of the opening lines of these verses are just so vivid and arresting. Like verse one, green was the color of the grass. Can you even imagine? <laughs> can you guys, um, ima- grass? I can't. That's, I can't imagine. That's gr- that it's, it's, green though grass like <laughs> mind blown i want to say green grass but i i want it to last longer <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wanted to fit a, a specific pattern of syllables <laughs> green was the color of the grass uh where i used to read at centennial park which is apparently a centennial park in nashville um uh... So wouldn't it be blue? Ha! Ha! Taylor. That's Kentucky, bro. Answer me that. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, 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 well. Uh, there is there is some interesting I, reflection in this in this song. Also, just like continuing the theme of of her reflecting. Uh, Cold was the steel of my axe to grind for the boys who broke my heart. Now I send their babies presents. Like she's kind of. That's very nice. It is nice, isn't it? She's like growing up and like just like. <laughs> giving up on yeah (laughs) an axe is a great present for a baby (laughs) you guys should look into it for this christmas (laughs) uh put put that put that in the learning links uh uh fisher price (laughs) infant axes that axe cottage core axe axe core cottage core comes complete with little earmuff earmuff hat (laughs) Oh boy! Um, all right. Well, this is this has been Taylor Swift. We listened to it all. We oh, talked about it. it all. I mean, technically, I listened to it all and talked about it all. Each one of you missed one episode. Oh, that's but now right. I am the Taylor Swift expert. Each one of the two of us. <laughs> yeah. You may have the crown. Yeah. So, Cameron. Each one of the both of you. Cameron, uh, in in your expert opinion. Who is Taylor Swift? <laughs> really, when it comes down to it. Um, I think there were some nice moments in this album that I think would be cool if her growth in her career and as an artist and her next redefinition of herself went in this direction in a meaningful way because I think there are some nice things here. And in general, even though I was making some kind of cynical comments about the production um, and about it being cool, I I thought that it sounded nice, and I thought that it I, I enjoyed the way that it sounded, and um, 
I, I would say for the first time uh, at that level since, uh, you know, the first album that was like a pop country album, because I like the way that those sounded too with real instruments. I mean, there's a lot of digital stuff in this as well, but, you know, I like hearing banjos and mandolins and guitars and things like that. And I and I like, I like the the lack of affectation in her singing in this album. Hmm. Uh, I thought it just, you're really able to listen to her voice. Yeah. I think, uh, that was, uh, that was refreshing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I'm coming away from this season having a lot more, uh, healthy understanding and appreciation of just Taylor Swift's substance. Um, you know, like I think particularly well, well, pop stars for sure, but particularly women in the music industry um, are oftentimes conditioned to not have substance, and even if they do have substance, to be uh, like uh, conceptualized, framed as not having substance, being like kind of uh, uh, empty-headed, sort of pretty faces uh, who put on like sing and dance shows, um, hmm. and like h- how many people, if you ask them their favorite you know, 10 songwriters would have a single woman in those 10 songwriters. Like even the word itself songwriter, I feel like is, is, um, thought of songwriters. Yeah. It should be, it should (laughs) be one with (laughs) songwriters. Like even the word songwriter is like, I feel like most people, if you were to ask them to like, imagine a songwriter, they would imagine a male person, um, a dude. Uh, so I really appreciate, diving into taylor swift and um getting to uh, like see her substance her songwriting and her sort of canny way of um achieving success for herself in this industry that is not uh very hospitable to women she's let a lot of her personality through and be and be visible yeah and she's been kicked around a lot for it but i think ultimately it's it seems like it's why she's found the success that she has is because she put enough of herself out there that the people who that was attractive to, they have something to cling on to and to like to have a relationship with. Uh, it's, it seems like a meaningful parasocial relationship. Uh, mm, yeah. For a lot, for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, should we uh, should we tease next week's episode? I guess so. I mean, I, I was so, I wanted I wanted to know if Becca has any final closing thoughts on Taylor Swift as we as this is the end of the season. Yes, 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 yes. As our Taylor um, Swift expert. Yes, resident Taylor Swift. Expert. Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> it's okay if you. My don't. no, it's okay. I thought that I thought that I was going to learn that Taylor was responsible for some, but not all of her own success. And I think after this episode, I feel like, like before I probably was like, yeah, it's maybe like 50%. Mm. And I think after this episode, I feel more like, no, it's like 80%. I think she's a really, really smart partner, right from the start of picking her own label, you know, and her own producer when other people were like, we don't know, like, mm-hmm. this is a new yeah. label. This is a, nobody, this person's never been a producer before. You know, she's like 15 when she does that. She's throwing her own songs on albums last minute at the age of 15, like, her hand and her own legacy is pretty impressive to me. I'm also thinking a lot about, um, this is something we didn't talk about a ton in this season, but talked about a little bit is like, I definitely was 
raised in a family that thought about art criticism in a really particular way and valued art criticism more highly than other things. And the way that I feel after listening to Taylor Swift is like, I don't think her art is the most meaningful to me. Like I've been listening to a lot of Joni Mitchell um, after we listened to Red, which has a lot of comparisons to Blue. I've been listening to Joni Mitchell's Blue a lot. I feel like it's a way better album. It means a lot more to me. I care about it a lot more. But Taylor Swift is having a hell of a time. Like she's in a good way. Like she's partnering with so many people. She's making so many fun things. She's traveling all over. I mean, she's just like living this really interesting life. Um, and she seems to be really doing what she wants to do. Like in terms of agency, she seems to be doing what she wants to do. And I think that, yeah, gets to be equally valid. Like I think she has different gifts than Joni Mitchell does, but I think what she's doing is interesting and she's doing it really well. So yeah. And as far as I know, Taylor Swift has never done blackface and Johnny Mitchell. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, you know, there's different strengths, different weaknesses. Famous blackface performer, Joni Mitchell. <laughs> I, Becca, I really appreciate the point you made about to what extent is she responsible for her success. And we've been talking about all of her collaborators yeah. And producers and co-writers, you know, in this season. And I, I I, often forget to give credit to the people who make the decisions on who will be included and who will be involved. Um, and you're right. It does seem like her decisions about who to collaborate with have been very strong. Yeah. Um, even if I'm not always into every single collaboration. But, like, she's when we compare it to like Garth Brooks who seems to have uh, an incredibly to to me it seems like a a very shallow relationship with his writers where he just has some sort of like vague concept where where he's just like I want to write a song about a little baby and God talking about how cool moms (laughs) are (laughs) (laughs) and then you know he gets some sort of like workhorse team of writers to make it happen it seems like, yeah, Taylor just is is a conductor in a way that other pop stars, other people who are just a piece in the machine, it seems like she is, like, um, designing it. She's know, a big she's machine. Con- yeah. I never Records. actually I never actually introduced this concept on the show, but I've been talking about it for a couple episodes now, which is this idea of, like, what is the GDP of Taylor Swift? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if we could actually go back and see, you know, all of the, like, millions of dollars of wealth that she's created for all of these different people. Um, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's, like, greater than the GDP of some small countries. Like, she's, you know, yeah. a single tour alone is making millions of dollars um, and employing thousands of people. Anyway. So, she, she's a yes. job creator. She's a maker, not a taker, is what you're getting at. She's <laughs> She is John Galt. <laughs> It'd be good. It'd be Taylor go, Swift go, go libertarian to call party. her John Galt. But. <laughs> 2024. Um, speaking, speaking of Garth Brooks, yeah. are we ready to announce this? Yes, announce what? away. Um, Garth Brooks has finally... Garth is finally having fun. Yeah, it took a big pandemic to do it. album Fun, which is ostensibly fun. We'll see about um, that. <laughs> it's available on Amazon Music, and we're going to talk about it Uh Next next week for um, not a palate cleanser, but a continuation of season one of Think Outside the Box set. 
So I'm looking forward to that. Thank you to whoever in the Discord alerted us to this because, um, as we've discussed in the past, Garth Brooks's internet presence is baffling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do not understand how someone with so much influence has such a profoundly boomerish presence on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. Yes. All right. Well, until next week, with when we go back to season one, Mother Truckers. Uh, hey, uh, real quick, real quick before we do that, thank you for guesting for these eight. You're welcome, episodes. Cameron. It's been <laughs> all right. Cool. You're cool too. <laughs> uh, I know. I know. It's been yeah. It's been difficult um, logistically uh, because we're parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of the same kid kids um but uh it's been really fun to uh have you on it's been an absolute pleasure thanks i agree thanks for being on becca and bringing some much needed uh perspective to tay tay hmm. yeah all right well until next week when we go back to season one um you can visit us online at boxset.website email us at email at boxset.website tweet us at topias podcast uh, you can support us in a couple ways by writing us a review on iTunes or jamming those star buttons. Uh, if you want to do it more directly, you can go to our Patreon at support.boxset.website. Uh, you can also in, uh, interact with us in other ways, like by joining our Discord, for instance. The link will be in the show notes. And you can also listen to Cameron's other podcast, which is called Get Up in the Cool. And it, it's, it is right now. I don't know if you're aware of it. Uh, yeah, I, it is exciting. Um, yeah, uh, some people haven't heard yet, but November is now uh, Get Up in the Cool Month. So uh, you've been living in Cameron DeWitt's world and you just didn't know it yet. So go check out that show. It is and is about uh, traditional acoustic musics, mostly Appalachian fiddle and banjo, old time music. Adam Hurd is returning to the show for the last uh, Wednesday of November for the finale of Get Up in the Cool Month uh, to promote his uh, new album of gourd banjo mm. uh, solo and ensemble works so come check that out he plays all gourds the entire mm. episode it is absolutely gorgeous <laughs> oh, fuck you <laughs> that one hurt owie <laughs> okay well until next week uh, I've been Nathan Hunt and I'm making a baby every day <laughs> I've been Cameron DeWitt, and I have an axe to grind with a baby. <laughs> I've been Becca DeWitt, and I have had a marvelous time ruining everything. <laughs> nice. Aww. <laughs> marvelous. This song feels like the, the time period of people saying, Marvelous. 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 Yeah, the bees and knees. I, I feel like I need like one of those cigarette holders that's like super long yeah. and has like the cigarette and like maybe uh maybe like a pince nez set of glasses or like uh, a monocle perhaps. Do you think anyone's ever used one of those cigarette holders for a joint? Oh. <laughs> like a self-wrapped joint? I think that would be a, a powerful look. <laughs> Certainly someone ever has. That is some strong energy. <laughs>